Climate Conversations on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow. I am Helen Farmer. On today's Climate Conversations with Dubai Holding, we were going home. From big commercial projects using technology to make things smarter, cleaner, more sustainable. Some of the small changes, the hacks, the swaps that we can be making, yes, for the good of the planet, but also for the good of our bank balance. We had a duo of experts on hand. Climate Conversations on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow. And welcome to a very special segment. We're exploring the profound impact that conscious living has on our planet and our wallets. We are diving into the world of sustainability within our own homes now and covering some of the ways that choices can not only preserve the earth, but also lighten the load on our energy bills as well. Some practical tips, some eco-friendly innovations, and I'd love to get your tips too. What are some things you're doing at home? Joining us in studio to guide us through this topic is Paul Patterson, the CEO and founder of Elevation Sustainable Building Solutions. It's a startup based in Mazdar City. They're on a mission to make buildings more sustainable, both commercial and residential too. Paul, great to have you with us. I'd love a little bit of background on you, if you don't mind. Where did your passion for sustainability um, come from, especially in this building space? Okay, so uh, actually over many years. So I've always been in the building services and the building engineering building system and building design industry and uh, ever since the mid 2000s I've been involved in sustainable projects and kind of trying to push the boundaries and what's actually possible and questioning what we're doing and thinking about ways that we could actually use less energy to get uh, to get the same the same impact and, and make things more sustainable so really it's been a long-term passion that I'm finally able to help um to, to, to actually do now here in the UAE in the year of COP28. We're going to be talking about some things that you know everyone listening today can be doing in their own homes, but on a bigger scale, what are some of the exciting innovations, the projects you've been working on that maybe we've been in these buildings, but we've got no idea about some of the technology and science that's actually going on for the good of the planet? Well, there's a lot of fantastic things happening. There's a lot of movement in the, in, in the smart building space, so smart technology, internet of things, and uh, opening up ways to use data analysis to help buildings uh, use less energy and understand also how much energy buildings are using. Uh, we're also seeing as a real drive towards net zero buildings, so looking at ways to design out energy very early on, and then using uh, PV panels to produce renewable energy that offsets the amount of uh, electricity that that building will use. So some really uh, great things happening in this region. If you could wave a magic wand over every developer here in the UAE, um, what would you love to see people integrating? And I'm talking about, yes, them as individuals and the impact they have, but you know, also for, for the good of the planet as a whole. I would absolutely love for the topic of energy and carbon to be uh, central to every decision that's made uh, across the construction sector. So as we're designing... How much carbon emissions are we planning on uh, associating with this development? And also, uh, as buildings are being operated, uh, do we understand the carbon impact of our existing real estate assets? And do we understand ways to kind of roadmap ways to reduce that to meet the global targets that we've set out? Because it is a choice, isn't it? It is a choice, yeah. And it's not necessarily always going to be the cheapest or the easiest one in the short term, but presumably you look long term at the benefits. Well, interestingly, it is a long-term discussion. I'm also into uh, endurance running and um, ultramarathons. So that what that's taught me is that it is about the long-term. It's doing things today which you can get the benefit of one, two, three, four years into the future. I think that's a mindset shift and I think all of us have to kind of move towards that space. I think it is, especially when you're living in a part of the world where it's majority expats. I think that's a kind of a, an interesting psychological, okay, is this my country? How long am I going to 
be here. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think there's an element of that, the kind of transience aspect of it. But I think if you look at the way the country is developing, it is becoming more of a long-term stay, isn't it? So perhaps that's also going to support us changing our our, our kind of ways. I hope so, especially as we're seeing more and more people buy and more people implementing some changes in their, you know, hopefully forever homes. Um, Now, confession time. My husband and I have um, casual, often... mm, marriage ending AC wars in our house. So I am curious when we're talking about air conditioning, which when I think about some of my favourite things about living here in the UAE, (laughs) couldn't live without it. Um, Can we talk about the impact it does have on the planet? And perhaps we can go on to discuss some of the optimum temperatures and techniques that we can be using. So do we know about the impact? Yes, I think we do. So um, the... AC or cooling is the majority of our electricity use or our energy use here in this region, which you would expect because the ambient temperature is higher than what it is comfortable for us as humans uh, to live in. But there is ways to use our systems more efficiently. Now, I share your uh, pain. <laughs> I, uh, we have in my home as well, we have, uh, there's three people in my family and we all have different ideas of what comfortable Okay, I'm means. curious, Paul. What, where, where would you... I, I'm... I'm I'm, I like it a little bit on the cooler side. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, Kim, likes it a little bit on the hotter side. Uh, my daughter, Isabella, likes it even colder. <laughs> oh, really? um, so we have a, a, a challenge. But the, the way I, I try and set it up is that the comfort conditions that studies have shown over many, many years is that we, four out of five people, are comfortable at 23 degrees Celsius. So for me, that's, that's where we should hit. Okay. And, and then every, temp, every degree shift... From 23, so if we were to change 23 to 22, it would actually cost us 5% more in energy just to make that one degree shift. So on the, on the uh, conversely, that's how much we could save if we shift our temperature up depending on... Uh, Depending on the, the level of appetite for an argument that you have. This is all good information to have in the back pocket for tonight as my husband puts the AC on 21 and my Nordic woolly socks go on. Well, he needs to up that by two degrees Celsius, I Thank can you. confirm. Thank you. We're going to be talking next about some of the other changes we can make to air conditioning, yes, but also water usage at home and even smart lighting. Climate Conversations on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow. Paul Patterson with us today. He's the CEO and founder of Elevation Sustainable Building Solutions. And we are talking about some of the little changes we can make in our homes. On the topic of ACs there, the AC wars that happen in many a home and indeed office, she said, in her jumper in the studio to keep the, keep the equipment safe and cool. Um, just one degree can be saving you some serious dirhams. And they're saying one degree separates my wife and I. I like it warmer. She prefers it a touch cooler. The difference is one degree. Um, Paul, what about the maintenance of our ACs? Can that make a difference in terms of making them more sustainable, more efficient and, and ultimately affecting our bills as well? Yeah. Um, so, yes, it can. So it, it is a great idea to keep on top of your maintenance, get regular cleaning. Uh, what can happen is if there's any uh, dust buildup inside of the ductwork that, that, that gives you the, the cold air, that means that it costs less uh, power for, for the fan to blow the air. Um, and for every, I'll give another uh, percentage there, for every 1% uh, of more 
pressure of more dirt that you have inside of your ductwork that can result in, in 3% more of electricity and that's due to something called the fan laws which is a very interesting The uh, fan laws? The fan laws, something uh, which all building services professionals will love me to be mentioning on the radio so Every day shout out to everybody <laughs> uh, Tim saying, what is the um, lifespan of an AC unit? Question well, A lifespan we would expect probably 20 years would be uh, a reasonable lifespan and what you would expect from that type of uh, equipment you mentioned earlier smart homes. What about smart AC controls? Where does this come into play and are we seeing it in kind of commonplace already? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting more and more popular. You may have heard, I think there's something called, the, I think it's the Google Nest, I think Google bought them in the end. So this is a, a kind of machine learning type device which uh, sits on your wall. You, you set the temperature. It will start to learn how you're using the building. It will know when you're coming in, when you're coming out. It will switch it on, switch it off to suit your actual occupancy. So it will start to work to optimise itself to suit what you're after and to suit your own comfort conditions. And that can yield about 10 to 20% you would expect if you invest in one of them. Wow. And this is something you could do as a homeowner. I'm guessing as a rental might be a little bit more complicated. It, it is a challenge here. There is a split, of course, as we know, um, in terms of uh, residential ownership and, and um, landlords and, and owners. Uh, it is something that you can do. Speak to your landlord, see if they're willing to invest in it, because obviously the more attractive and the more sustainable a home is, mm. uh, it's probably got a... a it probably becomes more attractive. Okay. Um, I was thinking about this conversation today when I was, one, brushing my teeth and two, washing my hands because it is November now and I was thinking, is it time to put on the water heater? I'm concluding another week or so. I'd have no idea if it has any impact on our dewa bills turning on that water heater, but I know turning off our water when we're brushing teeth and I wondered if you had any intel on that. Showering bathing, drinking, cooking, what can we be doing ultimately, Paul? Well, the, the water use of UE residents here uh, is actually quite significantly higher than what it would be on average as a global average. Uh, the, the number is around 500 to 550 litres of water is what, what on average is used here, which is a huge amount of water. So very much so, switch off your taps when you're brushing your teeth. That That's a real quick win. Um, I don't want to say just don't shower for 15 minutes, but maybe you only need a five-minute shower. But there is ways to use less water and make small incremental changes in your daily behaviours that will compound over time. Should I be turning my water heater on? Or oh, should, we, should we be thinking bigger about how we can heat our water in a different way? This is the age-old conundrum. When do we make that switch? <laughs> I think you probably do need that level of hot water because it becomes a kind of hygiene-type question. Um, there is ways to actually use uh, solar hot water, uh, solar hot water systems to provide uh, you hot water, which can significantly use uh, reduce your electricity use. So there is other ways which you can... Uh, produce the hot water that are a little bit more sustainable than an electric tank above your uh, sink. Joining us in studio today, we've got Paul Patterson, CEO and founder of Elevation Sustainable Building Solutions based in Mazda City uh, on a bit of a mission to make buildings more sustainable and looking at a lot of commercial projects, but also some of the homes that we live in too. Um, to come back to that smart word, smart lighting. I mean, the fact that your AC can learn from your behaviours boggles my mind. Are we seeing this technology applied in other areas, other technologies? There is smart bulbs out there. There's, there's platforms to control your lighting rather than just have a switch. You can set up automation circuits on, uh, if you've got an iPhone on Apple Home, there's ways to integrate uh, Philips low energy LED bulbs. There's lots of ways that you can start to schedule things to perhaps remove the risk of leaving things on when they don't need to be on, mm -hmm. as an example. 
how should we be petitioning our landlords on some of these things? That's a that's a very good question. Talk to them, open the conversation. Maybe they they're also willing to contribute to to everyone's shared goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just open the conversation, see what they're willing to contribute to. Uh, I I understand that it's not quite as straightforward in this region, but it's definitely something we should at least be having the conversation about and trying to push it forward. Now, one of the few programs that me and my husband can agree on is Grand Designs, and we watched one last night, and I. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I like it when the budget goes out the window. It makes me feel, you know, normal. I like it when it... Te- the, the wife always seems to be pregnant at the end of it. I do, I, it it's, it's, it's an amazing programme to me. If you're not familiar with Grand Designs, it is people, not, not often professionals, creating their own homes and being followed on television as part of the process. The one last night was so enchanting. It was a woman who'd been a furniture designer and and builder and she decided after retiring that she wanted to set up her own home and it was a phrase I'd never heard of before she was building her own home from timber that she'd used throughout her career she was building it in a part of you know a woodland she they weren't going in with cranes and diggers because they didn't want to disrupt the roots of the trees and she was creating a passive home is this a phrase you're familiar with Paul yes uh Passive home, passive house, it's a movement originated in Europe and it's all about designing out the need for energy by uh, designing very, very, very efficient homes that need less energy to either heat or less energy to cool. So, yeah, it's a growing movement and one I think we will see spread. Well, that was my last question to you. Get the crystal ball out. What kind of conversations do you think we'll be having about climate and homes and building construction in 10 years' time? What are things that seem a bit out there now but could be completely commonplace then? I think there's, there's, there's two parts, isn't there? There's the energy transition, which is how do we decarbonise the, the energy supply, and there's the, the decarbonisation of real estate and how we're using energy. So that's the kind of demand-driven side, which we were talking about. I think real estate... Uh, construction will move to be all about understanding life cycle carbon, how much carbon is involved from the start of a project till the very, very end. And we will see new technologies or ways to build without using as much carbon is, is where we will be heading. Paul, for anyone that wants to find out more about the work that you're doing, avail of your expertise, your insights, consulting, what's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, please visit our website, get in touch via our website or uh, yeah, wwwelevation sbs com or I'm on also on LinkedIn. People will say I'm on LinkedIn too often, but they're <laughs> wrong. wrong. So yeah, tell you what, <laughs> if, if you want to send me the word build, um, I will send you the link there for uh, for elevation. Thank you so much for your time. It's really interesting to hear about what's been happening behind the scenes, what's happening in buildings all around us. As I said, as as guests, as shoppers, as visitors that we might not be aware of, and also the implications that we're putting into our own home. So Paul Patterson, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you very much. Welcome to our climate conversations brought to you by Dubai Holding. We've just been talking about some of the big scale buildings that are happening here in the UAE with a sustainable focus. And speaking now to Valentina Sereda, a health and well-being architect, the founder of Energy and Space. Health and well-being, sustainability, very much at the focus, the key driver of the homes that she designs and helping people, helping families make changes to their habits and mindset for a more conscious way of life. And yes, saving us a few dirhams too. Because when it comes to climate action at home, even the smallest change in a habit can help. Valentina, how are you? 
Hi, hello, I'm good, thanks. And you? I'm really well, I'm really well. I've got to be honest, sometimes when we're talking about these things, I get a bit of the, oh gosh, I'm not doing enough. Um, And I'm hoping that you're going to kind of empower us with some ideas because some things are, exactly as I said, these these little shifts, these little changes, these little choices all the time and especially in our homes. So I wanted to ask you about weighing up some options and I know it's only only November and I know we'll have this conversation close to Christmas but this real tree versus um, fake Christmas tree debate but let's keep it evergreen so to speak. Fake grass (laughs) versus real grass. When we're thinking about having plastic you know around our homes or indeed watering what does the science say when it comes to what's more environmentally friendly? So um, everything is about context, in my opinion. That's what I try to uh, um, explain to my clients as well when they have to come to this very hard decision because we all love real grass. No one likes plastic in their backyard. But in a country like um, UAE and in the Middle East in general where the rainfall is really, really scarce, you'll have to uh, use so much water to keep this grass, this real grass green. And we talk about, you know, depending on the size of the garden, we talk about a minimum of 50 liters per day. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this country, uh, we always recommend to, um, you know, avoid real grass (laughs) just because the amount of water consumed is really, really, um, really big. Um, What about, what are about, about other parts of the garden, you know? Oh, when we're thinking about aesthetics, we might want certain plants that aren't maybe meant to be in this region. Is there an argument for leaning in and going local? Yes, of course, uh, definitely. And that goes for any country. Um, the plants that we use in our gardens, they should be uh, definitely uh, local uh, because they're more resilient to the weather. They need less water. Um, obviously, you know, like the Bougainville is one of the very famous ones here because it needs very little water to keep flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely the type of plants have a, a big, big um, impact on the amount of water that also you will consume in the garden. I wanted to, I want to go inside now because I was thinking of you this morning. Um, we have a, so we, I'm trying to try and think how to put this. We have an under silk, silk ah, under silk, no, under sink filter. Whew. Got there yeah. in the end. Um, so rather than having a water dispenser, um, so, you know, we fill up yeah. from the tap and then with the kids, because they can't reach the tap, we fill up this kind of glass mason jar thing that they help themselves to. But they're kids. So there's always yeah. scattering cups around the home that have got like a centimetre of water in, a few centimetres of water in, and I chuck them in the dog's water bowl. But I was thinking of you this morning. I was thinking if we didn't have dogs... What would I do with that water? And I, I, know, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but I was wondering if you had any kind of water-saving tips around the home. Does that make sense? Um, yes, absolutely. And uh, this is also, I also have kids and I've also realized how much water is wasted from water bottles as well mm. that come back home. And um, so, yeah, what we do, um, we just give it to the plants inside the house so hopefully uh, each person has at least one real plant <laughs> inside the house. That's what we hope for. Or if not in the, in the garden or in the balcony. And we just water it to the, um, to the plants, basically. And this is a habit. And now my daughter all the time, if there is any water left, she would do that. So um, these type of uh, changes and habits, it's, it's all about really building habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're very, they're very, they're all very simple <laughs> to implement. I, I have to say, getting that 
um, filter was the best thing we've done. We, we've had it for about five yeah. years now and, you know, the filter changes every year. Because it's not just about the plastic that we're bringing into the home. It's the hassle. It's the absolute hassle of not having to think about ordering water, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's, it's, I guess it's just a way of life now. It's not even a habit anymore. What about reducing plastics in the home, Valentina? Is there anything that you've, any companies you think deserve a shout out on air? Any quick hacks or swaps that we can all be trying? Uh, yes, I mean, uh, one of the um, easiest uh, swaps is to basically avoid any, you know, the little plastic bags where, you know, usually people put inside snacks and things for kids mm-hmm. or plastic containers uh, to keep food in the fridge, in the kitchen or plastic straws. All of these uh, basically can be uh, swapped to, um, for example, silicone bags instead of plastic um, to glass containers with a silicone cap on top instead of the plastic ones and and straws i mean we don't personally use them but if you really want to use straws there are some um you know metal ones that you can wash and and keep reusing basically and one of the um very very important one as well is uh the cleaning products because cleaning products we all use them a lot and we keep buying in supermarkets Uh, they all come in plastic Uh, And the issue with the uh, cleaning products uh, that are chemically made is not only that, of course, you keep buying plastic bottles Mm -hmm. because you keep buying new ones, but also the chemicals that are used um, uh, in these cleaning products are actually very toxic for the environment, besides being very unhealthy um, for us, of course. Uh, So we always recommend to swap to uh, natural um, cleaning products, which... Uh, you know, you can make your own if you like uh, the vinegar smell in the house with baking soda, <laughs> well, I, uh, which is challenging. It is. And I, but there are some great companies here in the UAE. You know, we've had Kaima on the show before, KYMA. Yeah. In our house, we use a company called Rooted Regimen, um, which I love. Yeah. They've got an unscented yeah. and they've got um, a lemon verbana, which... Um, and it's really interesting because it's basically one bottle of concentrate and you mix it in various yeah. concentrations um, to get, I mean, everything, you know, glass spray, kitchen spray. You can even use it with a special powder in the dishwasher. You can use it in the washing machine. It's, um, it's brilliant. So, yeah, Rooted Regimen is a massive, um, massive change for us yeah. at home. And it smells amazing as well. It really, really does. Yeah. We use the Botanist, which is yes. another brand. Also the, they're, both, they're both very good. So now we finally have options in UAE uh, that are, you know, affordable. They are easy to order before we used to order from abroad. Now they're here. So mm-hmm. very easy. Yeah, it is. Um, and, um, Sorry, go on. No, yes. Yeah, and then I was, um, I was just saying other easy things that people can do to really, um, you know, small changes are to always leave the house with your own water bottle so you don't have to buy plastic around. And also for coffee, for people that drink a lot of coffee and they love to order the latte or the cappuccino in the morning when they are on their way to work, um, if they bring their own, you know, metal, for example, coffee cup, they just refill it and they can save a huge amount of uh, of paper and plastic cups from from shop, especially all the plastic lids that they use to cover the coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, someone drinks a coffee every day, that's about 30 cups per month saved. It, it would be, so it would be great a- to see more coffee shops offering incentives for this, you know, whether it is 
points or yeah. snacks or or something. I know that has been done in the past. I haven't seen anything for a long time. So if, if there are any local coffee shops listening today who want to tell me that you're doing this, I would love to give you a shout out on the radio. Um, what else on the family front? You mentioned, Valentina, you've got kids. Any Anything else we can do to be saving on plastic or paper? Little changes around the home. Yes, well, one uh, of the very, very important thing is really um, reduce the amount of waste and buy less. And for example, when it comes to kids, uh, as they grow up, they might want to, you know, change their furniture or change their things in their room uh, specifically. So instead of, you know, throwing and buying something new, we often help our clients to upcycle and reuse items um, that you know can be broken down and then rebuilt into something else as well. So it's always having you know this mindset of, do I really need to throw this? Mm-hmm. How can I reuse it? And think about the function. And you know things can be repainted, they can be refostered, they can be dismantled and put back together. So um, this is very important because the main issue is our mindset actually uh, we are so dependent and it's so easy to buy things nowadays that yes. um it, it makes it impossible for us to think oh actually you know i don't have to buy this i can make something and yeah so this is one of the i think it's it's the most impactful in my opinion if you actually manage to uh, reduce the waste um in in this in these ways well said valentina thank you so much for your time today and um, for anyone that wants to reach out avail of your consulting find out more and uh, you know i know you've got some great resources on there and some of the insights um that you've had over the years what's the best way of getting in touch with you so we have our website uh, energyandspace.org uh, and uh, you can find our email phone number instagram and uh, everything about environmental health Thank you so much, Valentina. Really, really appreciate it. Definitely some ideas there that we're going to be implementing at home. Um, And yeah, fake grass versus real grass. We'll be having the Christmas tree conversation in about a month's time. So get ready for that. All right. Thank you so much. You can find out more, as I said, at Energy and Space. Climate Conversations on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Dubai Holding, together for the good of tomorrow.